All right, buckle up. We got a lot to get to today. Glad you are on board. Glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. So I took down all my social media. I, I have no access to Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. And all I do is when I want to do it, I send it to Linda or, or somebody on my TV show. Tweet this out. So let's just be super clear. Yeah, super clear. You still have a Twitter account. You still have a Facebook account. You still have an Instagram account. You just no longer post to it. Do I have... We do it for you. Do I have any passwords to any of those accounts? No, we took those away from you. You took them away from me. All right, everyone took them away. And and by the way, by my request, it's taking too much of my time. I'd stay up late at night getting in fights with Jimmy Kimmel and wasting my time with him. So anyway, saying all of that, uh, I have friends, they've been texting and sending messages all day about what's going on in Minneapolis. Did you see the size of the crowd outside this arena? Now, the only seats, I think 19,300, Linda found out yesterday. And the mayor is apparently, you know, they tried to shut this down. They tried to almost shake down the Trump campaign and say, oh, you got to pay $500,000 now or else we're not going to let you have your rally. Uh, Okay, they never did that with Obama or any other Democrat. Why would they do that to Donald Trump? Because that's, I guess, who they are. And then they are trying to keep the press away from the people in the lines because the press might interview people that would say good things about Donald Trump. Uh, The fact that people have been waiting there some overnight, apparently, or tried to uh, and were stopped. But the line began in earnest at, you know, 6, 7 a.m. this morning. And people I mean, the line is massive. And what's what's hilarious is that there was one report. I have no idea. I've not confirmed this. You know, one of the uh, uh, hashtag MAGA soda. I thought it was pretty funny on Twitter. People on Twitter are clever, smart. They can be mean and vicious and horrible, too. But it is funny. Some of the stuff that even the stuff that they write about me that's horrible is funny. If you have a sense of humor. Anyway, long story short here is the lines are massive. I mean, I'm looking at pictures now and it's like as far as the eye can see. I mean, and it's like a rock concert. We're going to check in Lawrence Jones. We sent there. Uh, we have other people that are friends of the show that are going to be calling in throughout the program. We'll, we'll check in with them, too. And all I can tell you is, oh, and there was one report. I have no idea if it's true that the mayor wanted to take away the porta potties to make people uncomfortable. Well, what happens? You take away the porta potties. They're going to be what urinating in the streets like in Nancy Pelosi's district defecating in the streets. Unbelievable. Um, we've got that. I, I, I really want to dig down deep into everything that is now going on with the Democrats. We'll get to that, too. Two other stories, though, that we're going to hit in the course of the program later on with Jonathan and Danielle is one is, you know, the NBA literally just bowing before the altar of China. And, you know, here is, you know, NBA players have no problem tweeting out comments that are negative to Donald Trump. And the NBA commissioner has no problem doing that either. And now you've got money involved, real money, apparently like one point eight billion dollars for the NBA. And Jason Whitlock was amazing from Fox Sports one on Hannity last night. And he laid out, wow, look at this. It's bigger than the NBA. It also has to do with Nike. I mean, he gave this whole theory of his, which I found fascinating. None of which I would have been able to come up with myself. 
But now they're, you know, he's encouraging the NBA commissioner coaches. You know, it's fine to rail against Trump. You know, it's fine to promote radical groups, which has happened by some players. And he instituted a, a gender quota for referees and declared progressive code words, diversity and inclusion and core principles. And, you know, it goes on and on. And there is a great piece by Miranda Devine at the New York Post today. And Silver is proud in using the position to push, you know, social justice, anti-Trump politics. But if you're going to stand up to, you know, or stand for something like the Houston Rockets basketball boss by the name of Daryl Morey exercising his free speech rights. And he tweeted support for the people of Hong Kong and their pro-democracy protests. Fight for freedom. Stand with Hong Kong. Okay, you wouldn't think that's a big deal, but apparently in the face of China belligerently, their reaction to this and the NBA just capitulating to all of this, you know, I'm, I'm to the point where Maury's regrettable sentiments that had deeply offended many of our friends and fans in China. What? Okay, if the Houston Rockets... You know, boss wants to tweet support for freedom, liberty and the the independence movement in Hong Kong. Good for him. But apparently you can in the NBA. So we'll, we'll get to that in the course of the program today. I, I, I'm reading this story about Matt Lauer. I am I am shocked. Now, it's amazing. The, the front page New York Post now, there's two tabloids in New York. One is the New York Post. The other is the New York Daily News, the Post more conservative. By the way, the same company that owns Fox News. Um, and then the New York Daily News is very liberal. Not fans of Sean Hannity, but that's fine. It's just like the Washington Post hates me. If you didn't think the New York Times hates me, just look at the picture they put on the cover of the New York Times Sunday magazine of me. I've never seen anyone look that bad in my entire life. You know, reading newspapers. That was pretty funny, though. Um, but anyway, the, the headline today, shock claim in new book, big letters, Matt Lauer raped me. And it goes on NBC anchor. He responded to this all lies. We had a consensual affair. And then when you get to the body of the article, which is inside the, the paper, you know, you got two, you, got, you know, basically a full page on this whole thing about this Ronan Farrow book. He's the one that brought down Weinstein. Anyway, you know, she is claiming that he violently raped her in Sochi in, at the Olympics in Russia in 2014. And Matt Lauer is defending himself, saying, well, the story Brooke tells is filled with false details intended to create the impression this was an abusive encounter. There's no evidence that law enforcement was ever contacted regarding this case that I have read anywhere yet. You know, she's saying it wasn't consensual. That it was non-consensual. And I mean, she's describing a very violent incident here. And he's saying that they went on beyond that to have an extramarital affair. But it started in his hotel room one late night in Sochi. And she's saying that she and Lara went on to have more sexual encounters. So they both admit that they had this relationship thereafter. And I, I it's like everything else. I, I don't know how to, I don't know what to believe. I cannot tell you anything but the things that they both agree on, which is they had an affair after the incident. 
but I don't know what happened in that room that night in Sochi. And I don't I don't know how you, you ascertain the truth of it. Now, apparently she had told people at the time. So that would benefit and, and support her side of this. He's denying it. And I, I don't know how you ever get to the truth. I do know this, that I think we've all learned a lot. And I've told this lesson many times on the program that I learned in Atlanta with the Richard Jewell case. This is in, remember, the Summer Olympics, 1996, um, local on air in Atlanta, Georgia. And this is at the home of the official Olympics news radio station. All right, that's, what, that's where I was. Anyway, the story breaks, and by every account, you got this security guard, Richard Jewell, is the hero. And all of a sudden, the AJC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, comes out with, no, he fits the profile of the lone bomber. After all, he lives with his mother. And then I'm on the air reading this, and I'm like, so what? He lives with his mother. That doesn't make him a terrorist. Doesn't mean he bombed anybody. Now, long story short, the rest of the media just turns on this guy, and they rush to judgment as they usually do. That's where I first got to meet Lynn Wood, who I think is one of the finest, probably him and Charles Harder, finest libel slander attorneys in the country. And, and, Lynn Wood ends up getting a fortune for Richard Jewell. He said on this program, he thinks Richard Jewell, who died at 44, died because of all the stress associated with this. But the bottom line is, it turned out the guy was a hero. The guy didn't do any. The guy saved lives that day. But they rushed to judgment. We saw this most recently with Nicholas Sandman. You know, here's a, the black Hebrew Israelites are verbally assaulting this group of kids He's got a MAGA hat on. Then you have a, a Native American by the name of Nathan Phillips who's banging on a drum. There's some protest they were involved in. And then the media runs with, oh, look at him. He was intimidating the Native American. And, oh, they said racist things. When, we, when you had the whole tape, which we had much more that the media could have gone on, they ran with this kid's a racist. This kid, you know, was trying to intimidate Nathan Phillips. They ran with... You know, all sorts of things when just the opposite was true. And when I first interviewed Richard Jewell, he told me that, you know, I was listening to you and you were the only one ever, ever that questioned this narrative because I didn't know the answer. Just like with the Lauer story, I have no idea what to make of that. I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm you know, everyone wants to tell you they got the answer. I don't have it. But that lesson when he told me that, it kind of shook me, and it taught me a valuable lesson. Now, there's a reason that we've been right on Duke Lacrosse. Remember the 90 professors, you know, taking out a full page ad in the paper, convicting those kids? Well, I actually didn't rush the judgment there either. I, I took the time to go out and meet the kids and the parents, some of the kids and, the, and their families, and I got their side of the story. Remember when Ferguson, Missouri happened? I, I had people, my sources, that were telling me that knew in law enforcement, that knew the truth, saying there are eyewitnesses that confirm everything Darren Wilson has said, and that will come out. The rest of the media, they created the expectation what the result was going to be. Same thing in Ferguson. I'm sorry, the same thing in Baltimore with the Freddie Gray case. There was an expectation those six cops were going to jail. Early on, I knew the real story because I did my own work. 
I didn't rush the judgment. When they rushed the judgment with Nicholas Sandman, I mean, just it's so glaring because the kid handled everything perfectly. Then you can add Cambridge police to the issue. Then you could add Trayvon and Zimmerman to the issue. They thought they had that right. Then you can add they never vetted Obama. Then you can add that they never thought Trump could win. Then you could add the Russia witch hunt. They were so sure that they were going to get Trump on that. Now it's now it's the Ukraine coup attempt. It's the same thing. Now, or Justice Kavanaugh, another example. I remember when Michael Avenatti was accused, I guess, by his girlfriend. There were three separate investigations going on. And I remember saying on this program and on TV, I have no idea what happened here. But I'm going to give Michael Avenatti that which he never gave Justice Kavanaugh. The presumption of innocence and the right to due process. And I'm not backing off that because it's, it's worked out well for us. And we end up always being right. Had the media get Russia, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. Because the media, it's so toxic. I mean, they just, they don't care about truth, facts, which is lead me into the commentary I want to get into on the latest about Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Unbelievable. So we got all that coming up today. All right, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. All right, Jeff is in Minnesota. Says So you live near where this rally is, is that true? Yeah, actually, I live in Invergrove Heights, which is a suburb, but I was down there, and uh, there is a lot more people than what I think you have reported, for sure. I mean, you go out to a two-block radius, and there's got to be six to 8,000 people milling around. Okay, so you go out there. What time did the crowd start getting big? Because I'm seeing these social media pictures. They're ma- huge, and I'm also... Oh, I would look- say it probably started early in the morning. Yeah, like and before. By dawn. the way, so the the mayor tried. They first tried to shake down the the Trump campaign for money, and then they didn't want police officers wearing uniforms. And you know, and now they. I heard they took away porta potties. What can you say to that? Well, all I know is they put like there was only two porta potties for thousands of people, and they put it in an area that they knew that was going to be shut down at a certain time because of the security reasons. So I feel, in my opinion, and others that are around here, they did that on purpose. Yeah, it, it, listen, nothing that mayor of yours would do would surprise me. What's so amazing is just how stunningly, you know, overtly they do it. I mean, they, they literally tried everything they could do to make sure this rally does not happen tonight. That's what they do. Well, if it was a Democrat, it would be way different. Yeah. Yeah. And Obama's and that's all you have to do is look the last time when Obama was here, they charged him a fraction of what they were doing for here. And I think it was uh, reported that it was only twenty thousand dollars and they bent over backwards. And now they're saying that, you know, they don't want uh, uniform cops or in anywhere near there as far as if they're inside the rally. But there was uniform police department all over inside for that. For Jeff, let rally. me ask you a question. When you're looking at the people, what are they doing? Are they nice? Are they like talking to each other? They're, no, kind of they're peaceful. Mean. They're, they're, they're fighting. That's what your name doing. is not Jeff. <laughs> Real quick. Well, Jeff. Right, <laughs> well, Linda, you're right. I mean, it, right now they're just uh, uh, basically just milling around. There's different uh, uh, signage all over the place. They're tailgating. Uh, a lot they're of having fun that's what they're doing we're up on a break is why i had to interrupt we'll continue 
right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Now, we sent our own Lawrence Jones, who is the Hannity, Fox News Hannity special on the road 2020 election correspondent and investigative reporter. And Linda is friend with Trisha Hope. She's the author of Just the Tweets. You might remember she came up with just printing Donald Trump's tweets and like it becomes an instant bestseller, which was a great idea. She is also in Minnesota at the rally. Uh, welcome both of you. Trisha, welcome back. Lawrence, we love having you Thanks, as sir. always. We'll have you on TV tonight. Yes, it was uh, I am proud to announce that Lawrence uh, has gotten a great new long-term deal with the Fox News Channel. Congratulations. Well-deserved, sir. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you as always. A lot of, a lot of energy down here in Minnesota. I mean, you know, I, I tell people that when you hear about all the impeachment stuff and then you go out here and you actually talk with real people that aren't a part of the mainstream media, that's what I do for you. So I go on the road every day and I talk to real people that have real problems. They're not concerned about this. You know what they want to know about, Sean? They want to know about Ukraine. What is going on with Hunter Biden? Why hasn't the mainstream media done any type of investigation into that shady business? Well, I mean, I I want to know what he did for it. By the way, and everyone says, well, it's Joe Biden's kid. He's 49 years old. Mm-hmm, the kid's mm-hmm. not in college. The kid. All right. So where's his background and experience? Let me ask you this. How big was that line? Because I'm I'm seeing pictures on social media that show it's massive. It's a big line, Sean. And, you know, the thing about Minnesota is that they have indoor uh, walkways as well as outside. They've taken up all the indoor walkways and then outside is wrapped around as well. So there's a lot of people out there love Fox News, love Sean Hannity, and love their president. Uh, and, you know, it's raining on and off out here. And these people are just standing there getting drenched. Oh, well, it's with Minnesota. Is the it water cold? On and out. Is it, it cold? It's cold too. So they got to deal with both things, you know. So, By the way, one uh, year from now. In wheelchairs too. Wow. One year from now, Lawrence is going to come on this program and hate my guts because, you know, I'm like, Lawrence, you got to go here. Lawrence, go here. Lawrence, come on. We need you on the road. <laughs> you're, 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 you are going to hate my guts by the end of this process. Lawrence, go well, in the I middle of that liberal protest. <laughs> well, I put 185,000 miles since December on the plane. So, uh, but you know, wow. it's given me a lot of experience to talk with American people and talk about what they are thinking. Now, you know, a lot of the people in the media, they don't do that. They try to project how they feel. They don't feel the same way as the people in the studios in New York. It's amazing. Did you get, I was told by, I saw on social media, not been able to confirm. Maybe you know the answer mm-hmm. to it. We had a caller from Minnesota that lives nearby and was down by the rally that the, apparently the mayor, now the mayor, you know, the, the city wanted at the last minute for the Trump campaign to pony up 500 grand, uh, which they mm-hmm. never did for any other presidential candidate. Then they said mm-hmm. about a week ago that police officers can't wear their uniforms to the rally. Then I just heard, I don't know if it's true, and that's why I'm asking, did they really remove mm-hmm. the porta potties now? So close up to the building, the porta potties are there. The original okay. place of the porta potties, they're no longer there where they were before. But close up to the building, they are there. It is true about the law enforcement not being there. And by the way, the people in the rally, every time you see the cops go by, they are just cheering so loud. Uh, but the off duty cops that typically go to these events were able, normally able to wear their uniforms. The, the police chief and mayor has 
barred them from wearing their uniform, only the on-duty cops. So the, uh, the off-duty cops end up making their own T-shirt, and you see them, the cops for Trump, in their T-shirts. Great guys. I think some of them are even on my, on my security detail today um, helping us out here. Let's go to Trisha. Lawrence, stay right there. Trisha, where are you at this moment? At right now, I'm actually inside the venue, but all day long, I've been up and down the walkways and outside, and I can tell you they did remove the porta-potties, uh, many of them, uh, and, and they placed them on the opposite end of, of where the line began. So you literally have to walk about two miles to get to the first porta-potty that you see. And there are very few porta-potties to begin with uh, to support this crowd. And then the mayor, I'm told by the people in line, that uh, turned up the heat in the skywalk. It, it's miserably hot in there. <laughs> He's trying to make it as it. uncomfortable as, and miserable as he possibly can. Now, how many are you with like a large group of people indoors in the indoor hallways leading into the arena? Yes, I've, I've been in and outside of the arena, walking up and down the line uh, all day long. It's actually since yesterday. Well, why don't you go? I'll and, tell you what I want you to do. Why don't you walk near a big crowd and uh -huh. we'll put you on hold and tell them that Sean Hannity's on the line on his radio show, wants to say <laughs> hi to everybody. And I will uh, do that. We, how long will it take you to get to the like where a crowd is? Give me about two minutes. I just got to. Uh, OK. All right. You go do that. Let us bring persons. So. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Uh, Lawrence Jones. So where are you yeah. specifically located right now? Let me guess. I You're in a hotel room comfortably, you know, ordering up a cheeseburger for lunch. No, 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 no. I'm not comfortable. I just got back to the hotel so I could take <laughs> this call from you because, you know, these Trump supporters, man. They yeah. they let you know how they're feeling about the issues. But, but she's right. I don't know what they did to the, the air conditioner or whatever they, they did. But it's extremely hot in the facility of where all these people. I mean, you know, I've been to a lot of these Trump rallies for you, Sean. Typically, all the people are waiting outside uh, and you see them lapped around the building. Well, because of how Minnesota is, they have these skywalks where people can uh, line up in there. So all of that is filled up. And then you have the people looped up outside that are in line waiting to get to the skywalk to get into the facility. And it's hot uh, inside. I mean, I was drifting sweat inside. And then outside, it's cold. And the rain is going on and off, on and off. So just imagine that. Let me go back to Trisha. Stay there, Lawrence Jones. Uh, hey, Trisha apparently is back in the line. Trisha, you back in the line? I'm actually inside the arena on the floor with a group of people who are, I mean, the, the, the floor is filling up quickly, and I'm with a big group of people who are, have been standing all day, some of them since yesterday, and will be standing all night. Uh, all right, let me, no I don't know if you feel like doing this. Can you make an announcement that Sean Hannity wants to say hi to everybody, and then we put your okay. phone on speaker? Can we do that? Yes, sir. Is I that can. possible? Just one second. All right, that sounds great. Um, anyway, <laughs> Trisha is right oh, there. Oh, Oh, hello. He's on the phone here. Phone Hannity. Yeah. All right. Let, let, let me know when I'm on speaker. Let me Tell me when I'm on speaker. You're on Trisha. speaker, Sean. You're on speaker. All right. So can everybody hear me that's there? Can you all hear me? They can't really hear you, Sean. It's, it's pretty oh, loud. Too loud? Just tell them all I said they're great Americans and I want them to have a great time tonight. And let's turn Minnesota red. Tell them all that. 
real, Sean, and let me tell you one thing real quick. Walking through the line. Well, you got to tell them. I want to hear their reaction to what I said, and then you can tell me. Go ahead. He said to tell y'all he loves y'all and doing a great job and we're to turn Minnesota red. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, what did you want to add, Trisha? The line is full of women, and they promised me they're going to turn this state red. And they also said, Linda, they love you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Minnesota. Uh, you know, it's so funny, Lawrence, you you know this game. You know, every, everybody ends up loving Linda and thinking that I'm the devil. It's unbelievable. First of all, that's not true. They just like me more than you. That's all. Okay. Well, Lawrence, you know what is funny? Now, Lawrence, I want you to describe. So anyway, private detail. Lawrence and I had a private dinner recently. Um, and so I started at Fox when it first went on the air, October 6th, 1996, after when I came up from Atlanta and Lawrence was four years old. I've now begun my 24th year, 24th anniversary. Why can't I tell people that? What, what do I always say to you? What do I, there are two things I always say to you, correct? That's correct. One, I say, you're going to be a huge star. You've got. I mean, more natural talent than anybody I've ever met in TV. You're you're just and everybody loves you. Stop it. Stop and what's the other thing that I always say to you? You always like be humble, be humble, stay out of trouble. You know, I say, listen to your I mean, mom and dad. Your mom's a preacher. My mom's the preacher. My dad's the truck driver. Yes, yes, yes. Right. That, this, but I'm going to tell you, you have been details, so amazing. Son. I want to ask you this because I've you've gone on the road for us in liberal environments and conservative environments. I'm just trying to ascertain yeah. what's what's the difference for you when you go in the two different environments. You know the love, the love. I mean, these are people that don't care about your skin color. They they just really love America and they want to be. You know, it's funny because I was around during the Tea Party. That's when I. Be- first got into the conservative libertarian movement and the Trump people are just like the, the tea party meetings that I used to join. And that's during a period of time where I thought all the Republicans, when I used to be a liberal for racism and, and these people want to hug you. They want to, Hey, can we go get a drink? Just loving people. Uh, and I just wish the mainstream media would cover the love instead of trying to pick the one person, the one idiot out of a crowd and say, this is a hateful person. Yeah. And then you've been in other environments where horrible things have been said to you. There's a reason why I have to travel with a security detail now, Sean, is that because these people are are vicious people. Uh, You know, I I, I grew up in a tough environment, so I know I can take them. But these guys are determined. By the way, I know I can take them. Okay, go ahead. Keep going from there. Yeah, yeah, I can take them. I can take them. But they're, 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 they're trying to destroy people because you see their cell phones. They try to antagonize you, and they want you to hit them so they can have something, and that'll be the story. So and I, I got to travel with a security detail because my dad, my second dad, that's on the, you know, that has his own radio show that I'm on right now, uh, makes me travel with a detail now. Well, listen, I, uh, I, I, we love you. You've been doing an amazing job. Um, I'm, I'm honored that we've developed a great friendship. I want you to be safe always. Have fun tonight. We'll put you on uh, the president speaking, I guess, sometime after eight, probably bleeding into mm-hmm. my hour. Uh, then we'll go to you tonight. Look forward to having you on. Um, and tell our friends there when you see everybody that Sean Hannity sends their love and a message. The message is turn Minnesota red okay yes, sir we'll see you tonight exclusively on handed at night on the Fox news show 
All right, Lawrence Jones, uh, Fox News, uh, special 2020 on the road election correspondent, investigative reporter. And uh, Tricia, I want to thank you, too. You're amazing. And tell everybody there I send my love. I will. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. How did you get so close to Trisha? You're so funny. You get tri- I met Trisha at, uh, in Missouri, actually. I remember you gave me, that was at Cape Girardeau. You gave me the book. Made she sure came I- up to me from behind and there was a bunch of people there and they heard me talking. And one of the camera guys who was local there, the union guys come to me, he goes, oh my God, you're Linda. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I recognize your accent. He goes, I- I'm, I'm a big listener of the show. I said, oh, thank you so much. He goes, you got to meet this lady over here. She's got a book. I said, oh, who doesn't? He goes, no, really? She's got a book and it's filled with all of Trump's tweets. I'm like, that's kind of incredible. So I went over. Trisha was there with her husband. They're super sweet, super nice, you know. And we just got to talking and we stay in touch because, you know, she's. You stay in touch with everybody. Yeah, Linda yeah. talks to everybody. You know, I, I'm just looking at this and it does warm my heart. I mean, you see what is going on in this country. They this this is just the latest attempted coup attempt. You know, I'm reading an article that just came out and I'm like, how does this happen to our country? The headline on foxnews.com newly declassified court documents reveal FBI FISA violations targeting Americans. And then Devin Nunes and John Solomon on TV last night apparently they were surveilling John Solomon for reporting on Ukraine. Now what you're saying is very alarming to me. I have three people now that have told me that they believe there is evidence that shows government resources were used to monitor communications. In one case, a journalist that is a regular on this program with the name John Solomon. Have you heard that, Congressman? Well, what, I, what I've heard, and I want to be clear, there's a, I think there's a, there's a difference. What I've heard is that there were strange requests, irregular requests to monitor not just one journalist, but multiple journalists. Now, perhaps that was okay. Perhaps there was some reason for that, that it, that it can be explained away. Um, but that's what we that's what we know. And that's what we're going to be looking into. Great. This is the country we live in. Let's 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 impeach the president duly elected by the people and let's weaponize the powerful tools of intelligence to do it. And let's use a Russian dossier as a means of spying on the president. Then we'll use foreign intelligence allies of ours to do the spying that would be illegal to do here. And we'll outsource it to circumvent laws. And when Russia, Russia, Russia doesn't work, we'll just go to Ukraine when there's no issue. I'll be honest. I, I you know, there are days that I. In my heart, I don't know if we can even save this country from this madness. It's gotten so corrupt. The media is so corrupt. The deep state is so corrupt. You know, in all the years I've been doing this, and it's a lot, 31, I never believed it could be this bad in this country. I always thought checks and balances. I don't know anymore. There is, uh, according to what we're getting on the screen, there's a little bit of a what you might call now a breaking tweet from the president um, who says that um, tomorrow they will release a transcript of the Zelensky call. So my question to you is, if you see that transcript and it is more benign than we've been led to believe, will you do you think that your caucus might stand down a little bit? Or do you think that the caucus is at a boil right now? I mean, you're going to find out. No, it's not about that. This is about the Constitution 
Constitution of the United States. And we have many other, shall we say, uh, candidates for impeachable offense in terms of the Constitution of the United States. But this one is the most understandable by the public. And it's really important to know this. It is, there is no requirement there be a quid pro quo in the conversation. If the president brings up he wants them to investigate something, that's to the, of his political opponent. That is self-evident that it is not right. We don't ask foreign governments to help us in our elections. That's what we try to stop with Russia. It's wrong. Yeah, but the problem is, uh, oh, yeah, Clinton did it. And uh, oh, yeah, Obama did it. And uh, well, there was no quid pro quo. Uh, and it doesn't matter what the interpretation of any. Oh, let's see. Whistleblower. That's not a whistleblower has to say on it. Uh, and then she goes on to say at one point, remember, Nancy Pelosi announcing this before we ever saw it. Or did she? Because Adam Schiff apparently was working with the non-whistleblower whistleblower. Anyway, hour two, Sean Hannity show, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Speaker Pelosi, the, the Democrats, this is just what they wanted, which is why I played the montage that from yesterday on TV. It starts two days after he's elected, two, and it never ends. Joining us now, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, is uh, with us. And by the way, he has given me an early copy about Nancy Pelosi saying she's playing checkers and Trump's playing chess. How are you? I'm doing well, except but that's not even true. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's playing solitaire. Uh, and the reason I say that, I, I went on to say, I don't think she couldn't even play tic-tac-toe. And the reason is pretty simple. You have all this effort right now to keep the leaker, which is the right term for the whistleblower, to keep the leaker, because he didn't whistleblow anything. He had, he had no evidence firsthand of anything. So he's just a leaker. He's just pulling all of the way in which the deep state tries to destroy Trump. <clears throat> so the Democrats are going to all this effort to keep this guy secret. Well, if they were to pass impeachment in the, side, in the House, it goes to the Senate. And Lindsey Graham, as the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, has already said, he's going to bring this guy in in public, under oath, remind him that perjury means you can go to jail. So it's kind of like they're not thinking about Act Two. Uh, and I think the Democrats, in that sense, are just in such a frenzy uh, that they have lost their minds about how this is going to work. And they've forgotten, you know, that it's not, it's not a one-step game. Uh, and that the, the follow-on steps are all bad for them. You know, I, I'm watching all of it, and even Ben Sass, who's always critical of the president, said it's a, you know, a partisan clown show. What's interesting to me watching this as an outsider is, well, you've been through this. You were speaker when there was independent counsel. That statute then changed to the special counsel. But there were 11 specific indictments that were put forward by Ken Starr in his final report. It's not like that this got pulled out of nowhere. And when you set up the conditions in your particular case for the Democrats, the minority at the time to deal with issues, well, you were fair. There was a full vote of the House. Correct me if I'm wrong. You also allowed all sorts of let's see uh, every single 
you, you gave every single opportunity for them to present their case as well. Did you not? Well, look, we, we followed the same principles that had been established by Peter Rodino, a Democrat, in 1973 during Watergate. And we did it very deliberately. Uh, Henry Hyde was chairman of judiciary. Uh, he worked so well with John Conyers at that time that in their opening hearing, Conyers said this is the most bipartisan process he had ever been through in his career. Uh, Dick Gephardt, the Democratic leader, joined me in a press conference to say that we had mutually agreed to publish Starr's entire report so the American people could see what Starr was saying. I mean, there was a real effort based on how they had handled uh, Watergate to make sure that the country could see that this was more than partisan politics. Uh, and in some of our early votes, we got two out of every three Democrats voting with us. So uh, I think it's very different from the way Pelosi's trying to handle it. And I think most of what she's doing, frankly, will end up backfiring on her because the average American is going to see clearly that it's not fair, it's not being done in an appropriate way. Uh, and as a result, I think that, that uh, the country, the longer this goes on, the more the country will realize that it's phony, which is exactly what happened last year uh, with Kavanaugh, where initially people said, well, boy, if that's true, well, then it turned out it wasn't true. And I think all these polling numbers you're seeing have the same kind of effect. If it was all true, if the New York Times and the Washington Post were accurate, you'd be in one world. But as this goes on, you'll discover, I think, that uh, that's not where we are. And as a result, the case for the Democrats will just keep decaying. I look at Cipollone's letter. I, I, I thought it was a brutal takedown that he sent to Pelosi, Schiff and, and some others and calling what they are doing unconstitutional, invalid, baseless. And I see a lot of reasons for this. I, I, I think it's very obvious. Number one, they never accepted the results of the 2016 election. You and I have discussed that many times. After four separate Russia-Trump investigations culminating with Robert Mueller, no collusion, no obstruction, they are even more unhinged because they had put everything banked on that completely as the way to take out the president. That didn't work out particularly well. And, you know, thirdly, you know, I think Al Green kind of telegraphed the real feelings that they have, which is they don't think they can beat Trump. But what they're doing here is they don't want to have a vote in the House and put everybody on record. I think that's a big problem. And I, I, instead, they, what they're doing in this particular case, as Cipollone said down, this is designed and implemented. They're doing this in a manner that violates all fundamental fairness, constitutionally mandated due process. In this process, they're denying the president the right to cross-examine witnesses, to call witnesses, to even receive transcripts of testimony, to have access to evidence, uh, to have counsel present, other basic fundamental guaranteed rights for all Americans that would violate every aspect of constitutionality, rule of law and past precedents. And you were involved in a past precedent. That's right. And let's, let's just start with the right to know who this leaker is, um, because uh, there was a procedure used for about 150 years called a star chamber and the British government used it. And you could be pulled into that room. You had no idea who was accusing you, what they were accusing you of, what the evidence was. And the government's judges could uh, put lock you up for 30 years 
and you had never had a chance to find out what the case was. Well, in 1641, that's abolished. And when the founding fathers were writing the Constitution, they were very aware of the danger of not being allowed to face your accuser. And so they, they clearly wanted a system that was fair and that gave people the right to protect themselves. And what the Democrats are doing right now, it can only be described as crazy. I mean, they believe that somebody can make a charge to that will be used to overturn the American people's choice of president. And that person can do it in secret without being challenged. Uh, there's no precedent in American system anywhere for that kind of one-sided process. And it's going to fall down on its own weight. And, of course, they put all of this under uh, Adam Schiff. And even the Washington Post gave Adam Schiff four, four Pinocchios for plain out lying. Now, you know, if you're a liberal Democrat and you get four Pinocchios from the Washington Post, you know you're doing something really wrong. And I think Schiff, in that sense, uh, is, is the worst possible person for them to put in this kind of situation, because in the end, nobody's going to believe him. Look, you've called this, and I agree with you, I'm using the same term, a coup. Now, everything that they've done, I, I literally played, I don't know if you saw the montage, if you go to my Twitter account, we posted it, but they, they have said impeach, impeach, impeach all throughout Two days starting, two days after Trump was elected, all through 2017, all through 2018, now all through 2019. This has been their word. And Nancy Pelosi, when she announced the day before we even knew about what was in this this conversation with the president and the president of Ukraine, we find out there's nothing. There's no there there. There's no quid pro quo. There's nothing that. Well, we have many options to impeach him. I, I mean, I've never I've never w witnessed anything like this, considering the level of lawlessness here. You know, Rachel Peterson is my chief researcher. And for the last week, she's been going back and she, the stuff she's found is unbelievable. The first wave of get rid of Trump rallies is on the 9th of November, the day after the election. Uh, by mid-December, Vanity Fair is running a call, an article about the impeachment movement. And on the day that Trump is sworn in at his inaugural, the Washington Post has an article on the Democrats planning to impeach him. So this thing, that's why I call this a coup. This is an effort by left-wing Democrats to overturn the American people's choice of who the president should be. It has no basis in any kind of reality. And that's why I think Pelosi was so revealing uh, when the reporter said to her, well, what if this doesn't work? And she basically said, well, we'll find some other reasons. Uh, but, but as I said a while ago, the challenge she's got is after they're done playing their, their partisan clown games, he's Ben Sass's line, uh, in the House, it's going to go to the Senate, and the more that they behave as really partisan clowns, the less likely it is that the Senate is going to take whatever they do seriously. So in a very real sense, they're undermining their very own case. All right, as we continue, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, he has rightly identified what the Democrats are doing as a at the latest coup attempt. All right, so let's walk through this in your mind. Okay, if if they're not going to offer the president due process, they're not going to have an up or down vote because they want to protect the 40 Democrats that are in Trump one districts in 2016. 
and they're just going to push it through anyway. Let's assume that they are successful. Okay, it goes to the Senate, it dies. But wait, Sean, think about what you just said. Oh, I'm aware of what I just said. It's insane. No, I'm just, you know what I'm saying? The fact that they're avoiding a vote on the process doesn't save those members, because in the end, they're going to have to get to a vote. And you take somebody like like Peterson, who represents northern Minnesota, in a district where, where Trump won by 30 points. And if Peterson comes in and votes to impeach, uh, he might as well not run for re-election. And so, I mean, when they, I, I said the other day that, that you can drive through impeachment if you're prepared to commit suicide. But that that's, what, that, that's what she's doing. She is setting up her majority to become a minority because she is putting member after member in a position. Now, it could be that when the backlash builds enough, and I must say, I think the Trump campaign team and the, the Trump White House uh, and, and uh, Ronald McDonald over at the RNC are all doing a good job of building a backlash. Um, it could well be that at that point, it just peters out and they don't get to a vote. But at that point, they're, they're going to look pretty stupid. They'll, they'll run all the way up the hill. They'll make all these strong announcements. And then they're going to slink away and never, ever vote. Uh, I think in some ways that could be amazingly destructive for them. What do you think it's going to be? Do they back down or they go through with it? I would argue they're going to go through with it. I think I think they have to go through with it. I'm just saying. So, so sooner or later, Nancy Pelosi is going to say to all of her marginal members, um, gee, I really hate to do this to you, but uh, you got to get up there and vote. And all of her marginal members are going to be told, if you don't vote yes, we're going to find somebody in the primary and we're going to beat you in the primary. And so I think she can coerce a majority out of the House. But in the process, um, I think that they will be a, just they'll be wrecked as a party. You, you combine the left wing proposals of their, their candidates. I mean, the, the other day, Biden, in a, in a moment of typical irrationality, came out mm-hmm. at, at the, the, the gay and lesbian uh, event. Yeah, we have 15 CNN. more seconds. Go ahead. Well, he just said, he said, you know, I think people should be able to identify themselves. And if guys want to go to the women's prison, they should be allowed to. Now, right. I think that's probably a losing issue. Uh, I'd like to see the 25th year of the contract, a new contract promises to America. And this needs to be a nationally run election by Republicans. We'll talk about that next time. Uh, New King Rich, former Speaker of the House, uh, Hannity.com. Mr. Speaker, as always, thank you for being with us. When we come back, Governor Scott Walker, the important swing state for 2020, Wisconsin. Where does Donald Trump stand, say, against Elizabeth Warren? That's next. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. So much, uh, you know, coming out of as we've been uh, talking to people on the ground in Minnesota and uh, the big rally of the president tonight. I mean, you know, pretty funny stuff. I don't know. I just look at Twitter. This is this is not stuff we're reporting, but stuff that people are saying out. You know, the crowd is massive, has been massive. Uh, Apparently, they're trying to bar people, reporters from interviewing the people in line. You know, the smelly Walmart shoppers like me, uh, the irredeemable deplorables. And so obviously there's there's that component of it. They tried to shut it down ahead of time. And I got to tell you, it's apparently massive 
turnout that's going on there. Maybe we all ought to call it MAGA soda, as somebody said on Twitter, which was pretty funny. And um, anyway, people camped out <clears throat> like all these Trump rallies overnight, got there at 7 a.m., you know, thousand people in line. Then they only ha- holds 19,300 people. And uh, maybe they, I, there's one report that they might have even taken away the porta potties. That's pretty desperate. That's pretty mean, too. Anyway, it all comes down to we are almost a year out of what I think will be a tipping point election by far in the country. Assuming now that this is the Democratic side, it's Elizabeth Warren's to lose. Okay, well, look at her positions on everything. Well, you don't have to pay back your student debt. Great. Medicare for all. No private insurance. Great. New Green Deal. Get rid of oil, gas, the combustion engine. Great. You're going to get free pre-K, daycare, health care, free college. Everything's free. Guaranteed job, healthy food and retirement, whether you're willing or unwilling to work. And eventually planes and cows, they go too. Uh, versus what the president has been doing and offering and the promises he's kept. Uh, one state that will define November election night 2020 is the great state of wisconsin and joining us now is the former governor that's uh, state scott walker is with us and by the way he's been fighting on issues involving balanced budgets and fiscal sanity and uh letting the states have more control which i've always believed in uh governor how are you it's great to talk to you oh sean thanks for having me on it's a pleasure i'm doing well and uh i i know you're doing well and america's doing well we just got to keep it going well well, I think that's true. Um, all right. You know Wisconsin as well as anybody. I remember before 2016, I talked to a lot of people that know your state that were telling me Trump had no chance to win, and he did. Where do you think he stands at this moment? Because I don't think he's a particularly, I don't think he's that politician that you can p- poll with any particular amount of accuracy. Oh, I think you're exactly right, Sean. I, I think it is going to be a tight election. Remember, he carried the state which was the first time a Republican had carried it since Reagan did in 1984. He carried it with a plurality. It didn't get 50%, but got more than Hillary Clinton. And I think it's going to be that close again. If the facts get out, it should be a blowout. But but uh, as it is across America, we know that there are many, many outlets out there that keep the voters from the facts, that distort the facts, or just outright lie out there. But, but I think it's going to be incredibly close. A poll this week from Fox News actually said, he was down uh, by nine points. I remind people that day. By the way, the, I think if it's November- a Fox poll that, that, you know, Dick Morris looked into the, the internals of this, the questions prior to the impeachment question were, you know, uh, negative towards Trump. And number two, yes. there were 48, you know, percent of respondents were Democrats, only 40 Republican. I mean, well, right, Sean, and, and the kicker of this is where my point is that the days before the 2016 election, a Marquette University Law School poll in the state was pretty historically fairly reliable, showed Hillary Clinton winning by six points. Obviously, she lost the election. I think it is always true in our state that Republicans poll lower than Democrats. I think it is multiplied uh, by Donald Trump because part of the reason Republicans don't respond is they get tired of getting beat up by the media and pollsters for supporting Republicans. I think it's even more true of, of this president. And so I think it is close. But on the other hand, I would warn those who, like myself, support the president. We cannot take it for granted because Wisconsin's a key state. You got to win Wisconsin to win the president. Well, I agree with that. And, you know, I look at the jobs that have been creative. Now, 
I'll I'll speak generally. I see the people of Wisconsin as as the heart and soul of America. The people that work hard, uh, play by the rules, pay their taxes, contribute to society, raise their kids, and they are what makes America great. Um, They are uh, they're not attracted to the swamp, the sewer that would be New York City or D.C. or San Francisco or Los Angeles. Um, Now, here the president, we you know, the last eight years before President Trump got in an office, we had 13 million more Americans on food stamps, eight million more in poverty. We had the worst recovery since the 40s, the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. Now we got seven million fewer people on food stamps, millions out of poverty, seven million new jobs, energy independence, and a president that's fighting for better trade deals that will greatly impact particularly uh, farmers and dairy farmers in the great state of Wisconsin. So I think all of that would be good for Wisconsin. Do the people of Wisconsin see that or are they going to fall prey to the media perceptions on the president? Well, I think it's as, as split as it's ever been. People who get the facts, I always tell people, take your thumb and put it over the, the name of the person I'm talking about, uh, which is exactly the list you rattled off. If I pointed out not only is unemployment the lowest in America, it's been in, in roughly 50 years in Wisconsin. It's never been lower than it's been the last year and a half. It's been consistently at or below 3% which was the previous all-time low. You see record low unemployment levels for uh, African-American, Latino Americans, uh, people with disabilities, veterans in this country. Uh, we see in Wisconsin, just as we see nationally, more job openings than we actually have people to fill them. Wages are up. The economy is heading in the right direction. And a prime example, Sean, you, you mentioned that trade deal. You know, one of the biggest controversies I think that doesn't get covered is why Speaker Pelosi is sitting on this trade deal that the president negotiated with Mexico and Canada that would help not only dairy farmers in Wisconsin, but across the country and manufacturing workers. But we can't get Pelosi to get up and vote on it because she knows it'll pass if it gets voted on. But they don't want to give this president a victory. That is how shallow they have been become in Washington. And the American people got to fight back. Well, I agree. Um, Look, stylistically, I'll take Paul Ryan, for example, and I know he's a good friend of yours. Paul Ryan does not like Donald Trump's style. Now, I, I've had this conversation with Mitt Romney. I said, you know, Mitt, I said, I, I, I understand you're a great guy. You're, you're not a New York real estate mogul uh, who wakes up in the morning and fights every day. You know, but they still when you ran for president, they tried to paint you as a racist and a misogynist and a, and a sexist and a homophobe and everything in between. They did the same thing to John McCain. The only difference is Trump fought back. But everything Mitt Romney ran on, well, the president's putting originalists on the court. He gave us the biggest tax cut in history. The president also got rid of more bureaucracy than than every president in the past hundred years. He's building the wall. He delivered on trade deals with Japan, Western Europe, Canada, Mexico, and he's trying now with China. Yeah. Uh, but I the mean, in so why, so, so why do why do established Republicans hate him? <laughs> Well, he put the embassy in Jerusalem, as everyone yep. else had promised, but only he had the guts to do. He's the most pro-life president in yep. modern American history, including even more so than my the guy I idolized, Ronald Reagan. He has done it all. And one of the things, Sean, you'll appreciate this. I, I love seeing not only here in Wisconsin, but across the nation. And that is Washington is filled with politicians who say and talk the right way, but don't do squat. On occasion, this president might say or tweet something somewhat different than I and a lot of people in the Midwest would. But you know what? I'll take that 
because he actually gets the job done. I'll take that over people who talk right but don't get the job done. we got a president who gets the job done, and we need to remind our, our, our fellow citizens, our neighbors, our friends, the people we worship with, that's the only way he's going to win this election. That's the only way to counter the onslaught of attacks. And, and believe me, we know it. We saw it here in Wisconsin. You covered it. You know, you know what we faced? We had I, I, how many elections did you one. have in, in how many years? Because they were after you every day. <laughs> they were. They they actually registered a website domain name called RecallScottWalker.com on the day I was elected in 2010. I can absolutely relate to the president. They've been trying to impeach him since day one. It didn't matter what it was. I mean, my goodness, as you've covered, Nancy Pelosi hadn't even read the transcript before she announced it. This is what we're up against here in Wisconsin across the nation. People who care not just about themselves, but care about their kids and their grandchildren grandkids and future generations have got to stand up because we cannot let, whether it's Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders or any of the other socialists or wannabe socialists out there, control this country because they will set us back so far. Let me ask the direct question. Let's assume I'm right and it's Elizabeth Warren's to lose. It's Trump versus Warren. Look, and assume for a minute, too, that they impeach the president. It goes nowhere in the Senate over nothing. I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Okay, who wins in Wisconsin if it's if it's Elizabeth Warren? You know her positions as well as this audience does. Yeah, I think more than the fact that she's a socialist, more than the fact that she wants to shut down dairy farmers and get rid of planes and do all sorts of things that would not fare well in Wisconsin. I think the biggest problem she's going to have in Wisconsin and why Trump will win against Elizabeth Warren is because she's a fraud. Uh, I firmly believe voters who were on the bubble in Wisconsin uh, did not vote for Hillary because they thought she would do and say absolutely anything to get elected. I don't, they may not have always agreed with what the president said, but they knew he was a straight shooter who said what he was going to do, and then he has done it. And I think that's a great contrast. The biggest worry I have isn't her or Biden. Uh, It's Bernie Sanders. As crazy as his ideas are, the one thing I'll give him is he is who he says he is. The others are just wannabes who will say anything to get elected. Well, I think Elizabeth Warren basically adopts everything Bernie adopts and then puts it on steroids. Exactly. I mean, she's further to the left, but I mean, even this stuff with her false claim about uh, not getting a job as a teacher, her false claim about her Native American heritage, all those things, I think, for people who are up in the air, those are things that really strike them, as as you mentioned in your introduction. The people in the Midwest here are honest, good, decent, hardworking people. Um, They'll treat you nice, but they stand up for their values. And more than anything else, they value people who are authentic, people who tell the truth, who tell it like it is. That's what this president does. People like Elizabeth Warren are just posers uh, who shift this way and that way. She's trying to shake it from Bernie. Stay right there. I know you're working on on debt issues. I want to ask you about that. Governor uh, Scott Walker, Wisconsin, with us, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Uh, At the top of the hour, wow, if you haven't seen... The allegation about Matt Lauer, the front cover of today's uh, New York Post, Matt Lauer raped me. I mean, this back and forth in this new book by uh, Ronan Farrow. Uh, We'll get into that with Danielle and Jonathan and also the issue of the NBA in China. Right as we continue, former governor, great state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker. By the way, how are you Packers this year? They look pretty good. Aaron Rodgers is amazing. Yeah, big, big win in Cal- in, uh, in uh, Cowboy territory in Texas the other Huge. day. That was nice. Oh, I mean, there was road. a blowout. That was a great game. Uh, let me ask you this. So I agree with you. I think Trump is facing the same scenario that Reagan faced. Reagan comes into office. 
He called the the military divide a gap of vulnerability because ships couldn't go out to sea. They didn't have spare parts. He had to spend a lot of money in his first term in particular, and it did put the debt up. Um, And President Trump, to get the money to rebuild the military, you know, similarly is and he's saying it. He spent more money than he ever wanted to. But that's how he got the deal done. And he plans on dealing with the debt in the in the second term, assuming he gets it. Uh, this thing is hanging over our head. We got to get rid of it. And you're trying to deal with it. Well, that's exactly right. And, and he'd be a lot better off right now if he didn't have to get things through Nancy Pelosi's house uh, this last year. Uh, long term, obviously, we're better off if Kevin McCarthy's there and there's a whole new slate of leaders. But even beyond this president, and again, God willing, he gets reelected, Long term, you know, we've seen this is one of those issues that goes through administrations and through Congresses of both parties, the way Washington is set up. Uh, I just think the Congress is incapable of, of reining in the deficit and in turn the long term debt. You know, it nearly doubled when Bush was president. It nearly doubled when Obama's president. It's approaching by 2025. $30 trillion. And those numbers sound so big, but I tell people that's like having a kid making 46 grand a year, carrying $300,000 worth of debt. And uh, that's just one of the things that we, we'd all have an intervention with that person to get them back on track. They're spending more than they take in. The federal government's got to do it. The good news is that there's a solution. We can pass a balanced budget amendment just like Reagan pushed for. And the way to do it is not to rely on Congress, is to get two thirds of the states to do it. 28 of the 34 needed have already passed it, and we've got a plan over the next two years to get those last uh, remaining six states. All right, Scott Walker. Uh, By the way, it's been a while. You've always been a good friend of the program. Um, I know you're going to help the president in his reelect. Would you ever consider going into the administration? Well, I told the president earlier this year the best way I can help him is make sure he wins the state. So I'm proud to be his chairman in Wisconsin, and we'll see what uh, what God's got planned for the future. But we we got to get him elected first and foremost. we got to get him some help in the House, and uh, we've got to take on long-term these issues like the balanced budget. So yeah. and we've got more details at scottwalker.com, but we'd love to have people join our, our fight here in Wisconsin across the nation. All right, uh, Governor, thank you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Wow, the issue the NBA and China, the the front cover tabloid, New York, New York Post, Matt Lauer raped me. Wow. We'll get to that. Danielle, Jonathan, next. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. After so many people have been chasing this for so long, why do you think they are now coming forward? Look, each of these sources really tore their guts out, giving these horrifying details. This was a traumatic experience to relive these events, and there's very little upside for them. You know, this was a brave and important thing they did, and they did it because they thought it could prevent potentially future crimes. Again and again, sources talked about doing that because they felt there was a change in the culture, that there was more of a culture of accountability now. As some of you may know, I I issued a statement um, shortly before this press conference um, because I thought there was a lot of misunderstanding out there about our position. I thought we had been somewhat straightforward, but I can understand, given translations and given interpretations in different parts of the world, why there might have been um, some confusion. And essentially, what I've said in that statement is the long-held values of the NBA are to support freedom of expression, and certainly freedom of expression by members of the NBA community. And in this case, Daryl Morey, as the general manager of the Houston Rockets, enjoys that right as one of our employees. Um, what, what I also try to suggest is I understand that there are consequences from that 
exercise of, of, in essence, his freedom of speech. And, you know, we will have to live with those consequences. It's my hope that for our Chinese fans and our partners in China, they will see those remarks in the context of now a three-decade, if not longer, relationship. And that we've done um, in partnership with the Chinese Basketball Association, the Department of Education, and, and many different businesses in China, I feel enormous amount to build the sport, uh, to work in communities, to focus on healthy lifestyles. And that's where we find ourselves, but that um, as a league, um, we are not willing to compromise those values. And um, I, I, again, I, uh, I, I'm sympathetic um, to our interests here and to our, our partners who are upset. And um, I, I don't think it's inconsistent on one hand um, to, to be sympathetic to them and, and at the same time stand by our principles. We are not apologizing for Daryl exercising his freedom of expression. I regret, again, having communicated directly with many friends in China that so many people are upset, including millions and millions of our fans. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, we come with basketball as an opportunity to sell dreams, sell hopes. That to to you know increasingly focus on physical fitness. Hi, Christina McFarland, CNN. Um, the NBA has always been a league that prides itself on its player and its coaches being able to speak out openly about political and societal affairs. I just wonder, after the events of this week and the fallout we've seen, whether you would both feel differently about speaking out in that way in future. It's a legitimate question. This is an event that. That's happened this week during during the NBA. This particular question has not been answered. James, any other questions? Uh, gentlemen in front. All right, that was uh, that last cut. That was uh, a question of a reporter and not allowing NBA players to even be asked a single question about uh, about this entire issue. You know, Jason Whitlock, who's with Fox Sports One, was on with us on, on Hannity last night. I mean, it's it's devastating um, because you have the NBA commissioner, you know, Adam Silver is, you know, where is he on this whole thing? They have no problem with NBA players trashing Donald Trump on a daily basis. But China now Whitlock made an interesting point. He thinks it's all connected to Nike, that the NBA is an eight billion dollar a year business, which I had no idea about. But Nike is like 40 billion dollars a year. And a lot of it comes down to money in all of this. And the NBA just, you know, basically, you know, bowing down to communist Chinese. And they're not going to allow anybody to speak out or stand for freedom uh, as it relates to Hong Kong and, and the Chinese crackdown there. And before that, you heard Matt Lauer hailing Ronan Farrow for exposing the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Well, I don't think he feels the same way today. The the front page headline in the New York Post is Matt Lauer raped me. NBC anchor, all lies. We had a consensual affair and it's a back and forth between the two of them. It's a, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to interpret it. She claimed that, that he raped her and he's claiming that is false. And I don't know how to, how does one ascertain the truth in, in a lot of these cases? Now, 
He also goes on to say nothing could be further from the truth. There was nothing aggressive about the encounter. She didn't cry. She didn't do this. And at no time did she behave in any way that made it appear that she was incapable of consent. And then apparently he's claiming that this extramarital affair went on for some time thereafter. It wasn't just a one night thing in, in Sochi where apparently this started. Anyway, joining us to help break all this madness down and maybe get to some truth here is Jonathan Gillum and Danielle McLaughlin. Thank you both for being with us. Uh, Danielle, let's start with the Lauer issue. Uh, two very distinctly different accounts here by two individuals. Uh, how, do, how do we get to truth in a moment like that? Hey, Sean. Hey, Jonathan. It's, um, it's, madness is right. It's, it's so hard to know, uh, in these sorts of situations with all the information we have, which is frankly not that much an excerpt from Ronan Farrow's book, what really happened here. And, you know, honestly, this is what we have the legal system for. Um, if she wants to press charges, if she wants to follow this through, she will have every opportunity to do that. And a jury of their peers will get to the truth. Clearly, this is going to be discussed in media. There are always concerns where you have people in positions of power uh, under these circumstances. And there are always problems when you have issues of alcohol. She claims she was incapable of consent because she had had, I think, a lot of vodka that night when they were all out. She said she had six shots of vodka. But what what Lauer is saying that it was an extramarital affair, but consensual sexual encounters and saying that he had this affair with her beginning in 2014 when she came to his room late one night in Sochi, Russia. Again, that's 2014. And she said that she and Lauer did go on to have more sexual encounters, some of which she initiated. Um, It was completely transactional, uh, transactional, she says, not a relationship. Does that impact the story at all that after this incident, A, she didn't report it, and B, she continued to have, then she moved on to an affair with him, if you believe her account in the first place. I mean, not as a, as, as a matter of, of law, you know, all of those things may come before a jury, and there are instances where people are married and there is sexual assault within that marriage. So uh, consent is what matters here, and the facts will come out if this, in fact, comes into a, into a legal a legal situation. This is awful and horrible, and I, I have great sympathy, particularly for her, because she is the person who is not in a position of power. But it's not for me to assess who was right and who was wrong and who was telling the truth and who was lying. That's what courts are for. All right, Jonathan Gillum, what's your take on first the Lauer situation, then we'll get to the NBA in China. Well, so I, I try to stay very, very neutral and unemotional in these situations because we don't know what the truth is. I think Danielle said something there that is typical of society now. In that, and I'm not just saying liberals. It's typical society where they say, I'm sympathetic for the female because of this, but we don't know what happened. Well, I don't uh, apply sympathy or emotions in, in a case like this where allegations are made like this in the court of public opinion because we don't know. I mean, we we don't even know the reality of any of this stuff because it's one person saying something uh, and the other person saying another one, and a, a reporter, not not a law enforcement officer who's collected evidence at the moment of the crime. We're not talking about somebody like that. We're talking about a reporter who is going to make money off of a book, and the more salacious he can make it, the better. And so that's 
I don't put a lot of stock in these types of things. And I think the, the, the sad part about this is that for people who are actually raped and who go through these situations, the, the way that the public looks at it now is uh, there, there are a lot of people are afraid to bring these allegations out because they're afraid of repercussions. And so they don't go and report it right away. Or, or like I was saying, you know, I've been saying this for years since I've been on radio and TV. If something like this happens to you and you're afraid to come out, write down what happened, have a witness sign it, fill it in an envelope and send it to yourself. At least you're going to say this is from that day and age. And we, we just have people who are not at this point who are, are not thinking in that light. They're just saying, we'll just, we're not going to do anything. And then they bring it in the court of public opinion. And if it actually did happen to them, it, it kind of degrades their story. And that's the sad part about this. I, I just I've, I've really done a pretty good job, I think, learning the lesson of Richard Jewell. And instinctively, I said, well, just because he lives with his mother doesn't mean he fit the, the, the profile of the lone bomber. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot, Danielle, on this show. We we withhold judgment. We believe in due process. Yeah. You know, look at Absolutely. the rest. Look at look at the rest of the media mob. We, we were right about UVA. We were right about. Uh, the Duke lacrosse situation. We ended up being right about Ferguson, Missouri and George Zimmerman and uh, Baltimore, Maryland and Cambridge police. We were right about vetting Obama. We were right in the end. I think Kavanaugh, that whole story fell apart uh, right about this kid, Nicholas Sandman and everybody else rushes to judgment. I, I just, I cannot tell my audience that I, I know what happened in the Matt Lauer case. I don't know. No, and you don't, and Jonathan doesn't, and I don't, and I certainly don't profess to know. Uh, and the only, frankly, thing, well, the only um, thing they both say is that they had an extramarital affair. She's saying that it was initiated with being raped in Sochi in Russia in 2014. Right. And I will say <laughs> there's a reason we have courts of law to determine what really to get to the facts so there, there isn't this sort of this trial in, in the public. OK, trial, based on what and, we and have in the record is. and the he said, she said, how does that play out in a courtroom in your view? You know, I don't know, Sean. One thing I will say is if she accuses him of a crime and that is found to be false, if she's lying, that's definitely It's five years so after the fact. Apparently she, but, but hang on, we know she didn't file a police report. It's five right, years it's now unusual. after the. That's not unusual. Okay. I, granted, it's yeah. not, that doesn't mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. That's why I'm asking. So, but it's five years later. She didn't file an initial report. She had the extramarital affair by her own admission later. So bring it to a court of law. How does that play out? You're the lawyer. It's going, to come down to the, it's going to come down to the credibility of, of, of the two of them. It's going to come down to who jurors believe. That's, that's all that really matters in this case. She could have married him and she could still you know, bring a claim if she believes that she has the facts to, uh, to do it. My, my point is that there could be a long and ongoing sexual you know, engagement. But walk us through the court process. I'm asking you very specifically. Yeah. It's in a court of law. Yes, Walk us through. Okay, Lauer's lawyers go after her. Right. Well, okay. they're going to say that it was consensual. They're going to say it was consensual, and that was evidenced by the fact that she was in a long-term relationship with him. Okay. Now, go, now, our lawyers are going to say, yeah, she did have right. the consensual relationship later, but this did happen. Correct. So now maybe she told somebody at the time. Okay. Let's yes. let's assume that happened. 
Right. Okay. And reportedly she did. Reportedly there were she had uh, Jonathan, you made this point earlier, the sort of contemporaneous reporting. So you write something down or you tell a friend. Um, the laws of the rules of evidence in a courtroom give a lot of stock to um, to to when a person who has is making an accusation or is innocent of something tells somebody else at the time. There is weight given to those statements uh, on the on the basis that they are generally reliable. So if she told a lot of people, if she uh, confided in someone, that boost that bolsters her credibility. Jonathan. Uh, well, I, you know, again, we don't know what the truth is, but when you are looking at credibility, um, if they were to bring up the stuff that Matt Lauer saying, you know, it goes both ways because the, the court is going to err uh, on uh, the facts. And if the facts are hearsay, um, it's just simply it's what you see in the media every day with Donald Trump. They're just trying to destroy credibility. And that's exactly what's going to happen if this would ever come to a case. But I, I honestly don't see how this could come to a case myself. Uh, if it, it does, it's a frivolous case. And I think the you know, the, the attorneys are, that are going to be going back and forth on this are really going to be trying to push the fact, at least Matt Lauer's attorneys, would be pushing the fact that she didn't work for him under his authority they had a continuous affair what if she's then, telling the truth though i mean i know they're going to say that I'm, I'm again i'm playing devil's advocate yeah no that's the, that's the hard part about this and that's why i always tell that's why i always say you know when i advise people on things is if something happened to you the right first thing you gotta do is tell somebody the second thing you gotta do is is you need to get a rape kit you need to get things done because this is you don't want to get yourself into this situation all right. Thank you both. Hard issues. I'll tell you. I uh, And then we didn't get time to get to the China issue with the NBA. We'll hit that at the uh, other side of this break. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. All right. 25 till the top of the hour. All right. Let me play the Today Show. Uh, Savannah Guthrie and Hoda reacting to the front cover of the New York Post today, Matt Lauer raped me. For the first time, we're hearing from the woman whose complaint led to Matt Lauer's firing. The former NBC News employee, whose identity has been kept anonymous by NBC News at her request, is now speaking out publicly. The woman, Brooke Nevels, sat down with Ronan Farrow for his new book, Catch and Kill. NBC News has not obtained a copy of the book, but Variety did and released details of her interview overnight. In the book, Nevels alleges Lauer raped her in his hotel room at the 2014 Sochi Olympics. I feel like we owe it to our viewers to to pause for a moment. Um, You know, this is shocking Mm -hmm. and appalling and um, I honestly don't even know what to say Mm -hmm. about it. I want to say that we, um, I know it wasn't easy for our colleague Brooke to come forward then. It's not easy now. And we support her and any women who have come forward with claims. And it's just very painful for all of us at NBC and who are at the Today Show. And, um, you know, it's very, very, very difficult. Um, I'm looking at you and I'm having a weird moment that we were sitting here just like this two years ago. And truth be told, Savannah and I did a little prayer upstairs just before just to sort of sort out what we were going to do. And um, I think it's... It's like you feel like you've known someone for 
for, for 12 years, and I don't know if you guys have ever felt like that. You know someone, you know them, you feel like you know them inside and out, and then all of a sudden, like, a door opens up, and it's a part of them you didn't know. And we don't know all the facts in all of this, but there are not allegations of an affair. There are allegations of a crime. And um, I think that's shocking to all of us here who've sat with Matt for many, many years. So um, I think we're going to just sort of continue to process this part of, of this horrific story. And as you said, you know, our thoughts are, are, are with Brooke. It's not easy what she did to come forward. It's not easy at all. No. And uh, you know, I think I speak for all of us. We're disturbed yeah. to our core. Yeah. And we have a commitment to keep you informed uh-huh. and we will continue to do that. Uh-huh. Well, and then this, what we played earlier, I'll play it again. Matt Lauer hailing the author of this book, Ronan Farrow, on a previous occasion for exposing Harvey Weinstein and that scandal. Ronan Farrow is a contributor for The New Yorker and an NBC News contributing correspondent as well. Ronan, good morning to you. Good to be here, guys. You've been working this story for a long time, both for NBC News and The New Yorker. I know it has been a long and difficult process to get these actresses to be identified and go on the record with their allegations. After so many people have been chasing this for so long, why do you think they are now coming forward? Look, each of these sources really tore their guts out, giving these horrifying details. This was a traumatic experience to relive these events, and there's very little upside for them. You know, this was a brave and important thing they did, and they did it because they thought it could prevent potentially future crimes. Again and again, sources talked about doing that because they felt there was a change in the culture, that there was more of a culture of accountability now. All right, 800-941-SHAWN. We're going to get to your calls here in a minute. Look, I see you guys are really engaged in this. Um... I, 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 I think I said it best with Danielle and Jonathan. I don't know the answer. I think we've done a very good job on this program of believing in due process. Linda, take, for example, with the Avenatti case. Remember Avenatti's girlfriend? You know, he had three separate jurisdictions investigating him. Now, I could have treated Avenatti the way he treated Justice Kavanaugh with Julie Swetnick, but that's not who we are and that's not what we do. And I learned that lesson with Richard Jewell. It has served us, this program, and my TV show well over the years. You know, how is it everybody in the media gets it wrong about Nicholas Sandman? Rush to judgment. Justice Kavanaugh, rush to judgment. You know, Duke LaCrosse, rush to judgment. UVA, same story. Ferguson, Missouri, same story. Uh, Freddie Gray, Baltimore, creating an expectation of a result that was never going to happen. And we work our sources. You know, for example, I knew early on when nobody else knew, I had sources off the record telling me uh, we have eyewitnesses that contradict everything that is that the media is telling us. I knew it. So I worked my sources. Same with in the case going back to Richard Jewell. You know, or for example, when the Duke lacrosse situation happened, well, okay, they're making allegations against kids. Some of these kids came from New York. I, I went out to their house and I talked to some of the parents and kids. And and I got a different side of the story. And what 80, 90 Duke professors at the time, you know, basically saying they're all guilty. And you don't know. You read a headline like this. Matt Lauer raped me. And Matt Lauer came out with a statement absolutely denying it. The one thing that they did agree on is after this incident in 2014 in in Sochi, Russia, that they did have an ongoing affair. They both admit to that. But then again, you know, it's five years later. 
How does this play out? Where's the truth? What if she did tell? Apparently she did tell people at the time it had happened. Um, I, I'm, you're all looking at me like, I, I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm, I am saying I don't know. But that's what we always do until we do know. We were right about Trump-Russia collusion. Nobody else was. And we're also right about this Ukraine thing with Joe Biden. Nobody else is reporting that. Joe Biden's on tape admitting it. Go ahead. Your thoughts. I mean, listen, you know, we, we could talk about this all day, and I'm sure talk. the audience. Well, hang on. We could talk about it <laughs> talk all day. Talk about it all day. You know, talk about long. it. We'll have a cup of coffee. We'll talk about it. You know, I mean. Uh, but it's I mean, it, well, if he did it, I, 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 I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, how can somebody treat somebody There's like that? No presumption of innocence. Now, listen. The guy's got a little bit of a sketchy past, right? He's got a button under his desk that locks you in his office. Okay, that's weird. Well, well, well hang on. He denied that, too, in right. his statement. Now, there are multiple women that have come out and said, I was in his office. There is a button. A hundred percent. Until I see that desk with the button, I don't believe anything, right? Because that's that's the whole point of being presumed innocent until proven guilty. You know, one person's word against another person's word is not guilt, you know, the only other way to get guilt beyond the evidence is an admission, you know. So it's that's why it's interesting how it parallels to the Biden thing. Right. So the mainstream networks are not giving Biden any time. We're not hearing we're not hearing about what he did, what his son did, you know, how much money these guys made, where it came from, the funneling. You know, we spent twenty five million taxpayer dollars to find out that the president had nothing to do with Russia. Since Russia didn't work out, we're going to look at Ukraine. We have evidence of previous presidents and vice presidents doing nefarious things, whether it was giving $150 billion in unmarked bills to Iranian mullahs, whether it was Obama giving over $2 million to Hezbollah and Hamas in the last three days of his presidency, whether it's Joe Biden and his son benefiting from Burisma Holdings. It doesn't matter what it is. None of that matters to them. And so now they're trying to hold Matt Lauer to the same standards because they're like, oh, no, well, you know, we bash these guys. So now we got to stick with it. So, you know, we just bash everybody. Everybody's guilty until proven innocent. I've never seen anything like it. It's outrageous. And I'm sorry, but instinctively, I just can't be that person that rushes to judgment. I, but beyond I, even rushing to know, judgment, think, I'm just saying, no, hold on one second. As a woman, oh, all right. As, oh, just, okay. Hang on one second. You know, like as somebody, you know, if somebody raped me, I would not continue to see them. I would not marry them. Now, I'm not saying that that it hasn't doesn't, happened. It doesn't mean it didn't happen, it's though. It's not to say it didn't happen. But, man, it, it just seems really odd to me that you're you're raped, it's traumatic, and then you willfully continue dating I mean, somebody. And she is talking about an act of violence, and I'm not going to go into the details. That is, like, oh, I, I, right. so the I, thing I, that's, it blows you away. Right, the it's thing a, that's strange is that she says that she consented to continue to date him, not that she was pushed into dating him like if it was like hey i did this to you and you're going to deal with it or you're not going anywhere at nbc and i'm going to make sure you never have a career in this business the reality is i don't i honestly believe that there are there are psychological forces that i am not equipped to understand i i'm saying that up front you know it's sort of like the the stockholm syndrome is a real thing it really happens where you sympathize with your captor that was a, a big issue with the patty hearst case for example i don't know and and almost you have to in my view separate what might have happened after this from what actually she's saying that he did 
Because I don't know, I don't understand in any way, shape, manner, or form the psychology of any of it. I don't. I'll tell you a really sad story. Because I would, on on the face of it, I would agree. Doesn't that doesn't make sense to me? But it doesn't mean it didn't happen either. So get this: I got a friend, right? My son, wicked smart, going to college. Yada yada yada. Carries around these little pieces of paper, prints them out, and says, "I consent to go out with. We'll call him Joe. Uh, Joe has space for the date." This was illegally. Uh, I, I was not. I was not drugged. I was not forced. Um, I consent to the date, and um, you know, willfully went on this. And then he has another one in case they decide to sleep together, or in case they decide to do anything else. So he has everything in writing because so many of his friends on campus are being accused of things that didn't happen. How sad is this? I, I mean, uh, you know, what's really sad that there are people that do these evil, horrific, violent things i and i think it's hard and i i used to say this in my speech when i wrote the book deliver us from evil that's 2004 that's 15 years ago i wrote that book and i would say i think good people have a very hard time wrapping their minds around violence and evil you know we we just report every weekend or after a weekend how many people were shot in chicago we don't even think about it anymore but I mean, think of if you're the mother and the father and it's your kid that got shot. You have little kids getting shot. I remember the day that I scrolled the names of all the people shot in Chicago, all the people killed in Chicago on TV. Names you never hear of. There's so many things that we don't hear about because they just don't fit the agenda. Rape, we had murder. There, I mean, people, these people stabbed to death earth. in France. Right. But we yeah. don't talk about it because they're not looking at ban knives. They're looking at ban guns. We have a synagogue attacked in Germany. We're not talking about it because that doesn't fit a narrative. We got people being shot in Kansas, but we have 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 people being shot in Chicago every weekend. So four people I, shot I mean, in Kansas. I'm like, guys, none of this makes sense the way that we're reacting anymore. Think of how we 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 just accept that this exists. I mean, you, you can't even go on a subway in New York. What do I always say to everybody that works for me? Don't take the subway. Don't take this. I say I'll, I'll pay for the car. You know what I do? Take the subway. I take the subway. Yeah, you don't listen to me. That's all right. They're afraid of me. It's okay. Okay, but you're a psycho. I mean, and I, but, <laughs> but, but and, you know, in all I honesty. I got in a fight just the other day on the subway. Of course you did. I mean, yeah, shocking, right? But you Ethan? know why? Because I said to the guy, I said, he had his phone out and he's blasting this music. It's terrible music. He might like it. I don't. I said, hey, you know buddy. People wait, wait, wait. Know... Let me finish. Let me finish. Hey, buddy, how you doing? No, you you got headphones? Mm. And he goes. Yeah, I got headphones. I'm like, where are they? Because they're not in your ears. <laughs> oh my God. And he goes, you want me to put them in my ears? I said, that's Why the first do do- place I put them, yeah. Why do you do this? Why? You know what he says to me? He goes, I'll put, <laughs> them in, I'll put them in my ears if you ask me nicely. Uh, I said, Why? this is me asking you nicely. The next time I ask you is when I ask you oh, not nicely. Oh my God. You well, know, everyone look- in the car just started cheering. So he put them in his ears. <sighs> I don't even know how to re- react to this. You can't react to it because you take a car. I tell everybody to take a car. Everybody. Now, my TV staff in particular, I, I've, I've ins- I make sure that they get a per diem so they can get a car. I mean, it's, it's, I, this world is just full with darkness. I mean, I, I'm, I'm watching the insanity of politically in this country. And I just, man, it gets, some days it just gets to you. Agree, I'm reading boss. this this headline. I'm looking at the China and, you know, really, we're going to bow down and silence NBA players on the China issue. I know that lit up Ethan earlier in this week. And I'm thinking, really? 
You can you can trash the president, but you can't trash China. Well, look what Ethan found earlier with this woman. She's at a press conference. She's there to ask questions. Yeah, they couldn't ask players. a question about it. Dude, yeah, they the came reporter. over. They're trying to rip the microphone physically out of her hand. She's like, know. excuse me. I have every right to ask this question. Well, good thing it wasn't you because we, we would have. Oh, forget about it. Head, I would have used that microphone in lots of ways. Put she would have ended up in, in uh, Chinese prison. You would have had to try to rescue her. All right. All right. So the president, the big rally he has, we're on the ground tonight in Minneapolis. I can't believe all that has surrounded this rally. I can't believe the mayor. Oh, if you're a cop, you can't wear a uniform. Let's move the porta potties. Uh, all right. This is a level of derangement that even. I have a hard time wrapping my arms around here. All right. We will cover the rally. Lawrence Jones is on the ground. We'll probably speak to some of the people that went to the rally, depending what time the rally ends. We'll cover it when we get on Hannity tonight. Uh, former uh, AG Matt Whitaker has been phenomenal. Tom Fitton, Dan Bongino. Uh, Governor Palin is on tonight. Joe Conjure, much, much more. 9 Eastern Hannity, Fox News. So we'll see you tonight. And tomorrow we'll get right back to what is now the, well, Russia, Russia, Russia. No, no. No, no. Impeach, impeach, impeach. No, no, no. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Coup. Because that's what this now has become. It's all coming up tonight, 9 Eastern. Hannity, we'll see you then. We'll see you back here tomorrow.